chapter 6. It seems like we're just moving along here in the book, in the book of Daniel. Um, and Daniel chapter 6 is a story that, that even, even though you've never read the chapter, you've probably heard of the story. You know, this is Daniel, the story of Daniel in the, dime, in the lion's den. He's going to actually get thrown into a lion's den. And so maybe you've seen uh, cartoon, uh, cartoons about it or pictures about it. Or maybe, you know, heard the stories, but you maybe didn't know else from the Bible. So we're going to cover uh, this story here tonight. Uh, Daniel in the, in the lion's den. And so for the book of Daniel chapter 6, uh, this is actually a continuation of chapter 5. Because at the end of chapter 5, we see that, that it ended with King Darius now uh, taking control of, of, of what was formerly known as the, the, the kingdom of Babylon. You know, and now uh, King Darius with the Medes and the Persians, they took over, the, they took, they took over control of the city. And so chapter 6 is a continuation of this. Um, the, first, the previous chapter, chapter 5, ends with this. It says, And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. And then so it starts off in chapter 6, And it pleased Darius to sit over the king. Now, keep in mind that when the Bible was written, it didn't have these, these chapter and verse divisions. It was written as one long scroll. You know, so we have these chapter and verse divisions. You know, it was added later on. And, and, and we're thankful for it because it helps us you know, navigate through, through the Bible much more easily. But, but with that, we could kind of just lose the momentum of, of, of the thought you know, that the writer was, was, was trying to, 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 to convey as he's writing this. You know, it's like one continuous thought. And so really, chapter 5 and chapter 6 should have been gone through together. You know, but because of a, of a reverse short on time, we couldn't. But just keep that in mind. You know that chapter five, chapter six is a continuation of chapter five, and so we left off in chapter five with King Belshazzar. Uh, he had been killed, and the kingdom of Babylon again, again was overtaken by the Medo Persian Empire, which is representative of the chest and the arms made out of silver from that statue in, in the book of Daniel chapter 2. Remember that, that, that in Nebuchadnezzar's dream, you know, the head of gold was, was, was uh, Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. The chest and arms of silver were, were a lesser but yet stronger kingdom, which was going to take over. And, and that's where we're at right now with the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And so we see that Daniel by this time is an old man. He's probably in his late 80s, early 90s. So he's been in captivity for more than 60 years. He was, he was brought into ca- captivity at a conservative number, like 20 years old. So he was a teenager, made anywhere from like 15 to 20 years old. So 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80. He would have been anywhere from 60 to close to 70 years in captivity by this point. And this guy's just persevering. You know, it's just awesome to see that, that, they, that throughout all this, you know, he's, he's outlived kings. He's outlived, you know, maybe uh, uh, many of his peers because we don't hear of, of his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego anymore. So it's possible that he outlived them already. He outlived uh, a lot of the children of Israel who, who, who were brought into captivity. He's seen a lot go on. And so Daniel at this point, he's an old man. He's, again, uh, late 80s or early 90s. But what's so awesome about this and what's so encouraging is that God is still using him. Here he is, an old man, and yet God is still using him because he is willing to be used. And so with that, verse 1 says, And it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these, oh, and over these, also over these 120, three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then does Daniel distinguish himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And, and the king gave Gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not 
Then these men said, We should not find any charge against Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. We'll stop right there. So what's going on? We see again that, that Darius is now king over the city of Babylon, which is under the Medo-Persian control. And we see that the, the, the Medo-Persian Empire was different in government than, than, than Babylon. And because under Babylon and Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar was like the ultimate dictator. He was, he was the law. He was above the law. He said something and then two minutes changed his mind. It could be done. If he made a law and, uh, and, and wanted to override the law, he could be, he, it could be done. He pretty much had the last say, the only say. He was uh, uh, the, the last word. You know, he was like the top ruler. And, and there, was nobody, uh, there was nobody over him. Uh, he was, again, above the law. Now, when it comes to, to the Medo-Persian Empire, they, have more, they had more of a sort of a democratic type of, type of government where they, where they had a system of laws and, 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 and ordinances. That, that the king himself, even if he's the one who, who put this ordinance or law into play, even he couldn't override it. You know, so there, there was, and throughout the chapter, we'll see this mentioned, uh, this, 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 uh, this saying that says, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be changed or cannot be altered. Because again, according to the laws of the, of the Medes and the Persians, when there was a law, when there was an ordinance, no one was above it. It was set in stone, that's it. And so not even the king himself could defy it. And so we see... That the that the Medo Persians again they had this system of government that was some somewhat democratic and this is a actually you know a fulfillment a fulfillment of prophecy because if you guys remember there in chapter two as Daniel's explaining the the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and he's saying look you know this 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 other empire is gonna is gonna overtake Babylon it's gonna be stronger but less I mean less effective in a sense you know it's gonna be stronger but yet weaker in a sense. Right? It was stronger because it was able to overtake the, the strongest empire of the world at the time, Babylon. But yet, within itself, it was, it was weaker because, it, it was, because the king himself was subject to a system of laws you know, and, and government. And so it was weaker in that sense. And we see that, that as these other nations uh, begin to take over. You know, next is, is uh, Alexander the Great with the, with, the, with the Grecians. And then after that, you know, the Romans. We see that, 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 that they're harder. I mean, they're, they're tougher. But yet, they're weaker in government in a sense. Alexander the Great um, in, the, in the Grecian Empire history tells, the world history tells that, that when Alexander the, the Great died, he actually died at a young age, somewhere around like 30-something years old, maybe like 33 years old. And at the time, you know, he had conquered every single nation that there was to conquer around the, around the world. And so this guy was just a top warrior. He was just a... I, I believe that he had like ADD or something because he just... His mission was just to conquer every single nation. And when... And when he was at the good old ripe age of about 33 years old. He had conquered every nation. And then because he had, there was no one else to conquer, he, he kind of got into like this, this, uh, this depressed mode. You know, he ended up uh, getting sick. Uh, a lot of people believe that he got ammonia. And then he ended up dying. And so when he died, he never set, the, he never set anyone under him. And he, or he never set anyone to take over the government. And so uh, it was actually distributed between four of his, of his, of his, uh, of his uh, top leading officials. And so... After him, of course, we know that, that, the, that the empire of Rome you know, came to be. And Rome was all messed up. Even though they were strong, even though they were organized, even though you know, they, they had the power to, over, to overthrow uh, the, the, the Grecian empire, they became so big, they became so great that, they, that it kind of just collapsed on itself. And so if you look at, at history, uh, the Roman empire was never conquered by anybody. You know, it just became so great that it just collapsed within itself. It began to get dispersed and it, and it weakened. And so, again, this that this that we're reading about about the Medo Persian Empire and, and and about Darius, you know, again, this is just this fulfillment of prophecy that that, that Daniel gave there in chapter two. 
And so we see that Darius sets over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now you may be wondering, what's a satrap? You know, so a satrap is pretty much, uh, it's like a governor, but with lesser authority. And so he sets 120 of these satraps in the, in the, in the kingdom of the Medo-Persian Empire. He sets 120 of these guys so, they could, so that they could look over the affairs and all the monies, all the finances of the kingdom and, and, you know, and everything that's going on. And so we see that this, is, that this phrase, this satraps, is a phrase that is distinct to the Medo-Persian Empire. No other uh, uh, empire, you know, used this phrase. No other empire had this, this, this governing office, you know, besides the Medo-Persian Empire. And so nowhere else are you going to find the, this, this phrase, the satrap or this title as a satrap concerning any other, any other government. And so this is distinct uh, to the Medo-Persian Empire. And so we see that among those 20 that he set up, we're told that, that he sets three of them. He says three of those, out of those 120 to rule over all of them. And Daniel was one of those three. And then we're told that Daniel stood out from among those 119 other satraps. Why? It tells us that there was something different about him. You know, there's just something, man, out of 120 guys, he gets, he gets chosen, uh, you know, amongst three to just be the overseers of those, of those 120. And then out of those three, he stands out. You know, again, he's an old man at this time. You know, he's not this young stud, you know, full of energy, full of, you know, ideas and vision, all this stuff. But, but yet he stands out. He stands out. Why? Well, we're told that he had an excellent spirit in him. And really, it's the spirit of God that's, 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 uh, that, that's filling him. It's the a, it's a spirit of God that, that's giving him grace and favor. Because Daniel was a godly man who honored and feared the Lord no matter where he was. You know, he was a man of, of, of integrity. You know, it's not that Daniel was out there trying to make himself stand out. He wasn't, you know, trying to be, you know, employee of the month, satrap of the month, you know, trying to uh, kiss butt or do whatever. You know, he was just being himself, you know, honoring God, fearing God, serving God, wherever he was at, being loyal in, 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 in his job. And, and, and the Lord made him stand out, you know, and the Lord gave him grace and favor. Right. And um, now, now, no, you know, he, he just honored God in his personal life, you know, and it leaked into his professional life. You know, and I say that to say this because all of us here. You know, work jobs and, and, and we think that hey, man, I got to make sure everyone knows that I'm a Christian, right? Got to show up the first day and be like, hey, by the way, by the way, you guys need prayer, come to me, whatever. You put your worship on all out so everyone can know, right, you're a Christian on the job site. But we don't have to do that, right? When I was, when I first came to the Lord, I was like all fire and like any single opportunity I got to share with somebody, you know, I, I'd begin to share with them even at work. So I'd be at work working, you know, and I'd stop working because I'm having a good conversation with somebody, you know, I'm telling them about the Lord and then Afterwards, I got convicted, man. I got convicted because, you know, I'm getting paid to work, you know, not to preach Jesus. And so I had to set everything in order. And for us, too, it's important that we set things in order. You know, uh, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, you know, he writes to Titus and he tells him, hey, man, uh, those of you who are under somebody, those of you who are under a boss, make sure that, that, you're, that you're diligent to do your work, you know, that, that to do what we are paid to do, you know, and do it as if you're working unto uh, the Lord. And so... And that's something that the Lord had to correct in my life, you know, where I would go to work and just, all right, man, I would be on the clock and then yet take time to kind of share Jesus with somebody or share, you know, certain things or, or whatever, you know, other than what I'm being paid for, to, you know, to work. And, uh, and I got convicted because I felt like I was stealing from my boss. And, my, and, and um, it's been said, you know, that, that a lot of Christian bosses don't like to hire Christians because then they'll like to take advantage and be like, oh, well, you know, hey, well, the boss is a Christian. He'll understand, you know, that I was sharing Jesus with somebody on the clock. So, you know, he should be cool with it. And in reality, you know, if we want to honor God in our jobs, if we, we want to honor uh, uh, God, we could do with our testimony. You know, we don't have to take time on the clock, all that. I understand that there's times, you know, where you could, where it's like crucial. You have to tell us, that, you know what, bro? Look, I just want to tell you this, whatever. Hey, man, that's between you and the Lord. But for me, that's something that the Lord had, had to convict me of. Um, 
I'm thankful that, that I work in construction so we could be working and talking and, you know, playing music at the same time. And, and that in itself, you know, is a, is a testimony. But we see that, 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 that Danny wasn't like that, right? He wasn't taking time off to, hey, here I am, I'm governing, but yeah, look, let me tell you about God. No, he was just, man, a man who was full of the Holy Spirit, you know, and, so, and the Lord gave him grace and he gave him favor, right? I like what it tells us there in Colossians 3.22 as, as Paul writes to, to, the, to the church at Colossae. And he says, he's, he's addressing the bond servants or the, the employees. And he says, bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, meaning with your whole heart, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ but he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. So, and so when we go to work, you know, we are to work as if God was the one signing our checks. That's the way I look at it, right? And it's like the more I've been meditating on this, the, man, I've had so much joy going to work now. Because we all have to work to survive, right? We live in California where it's extremely expensive to do anything. I mean, go to a grocery store that walk out with two bags and it's man, like 80 bucks. All right? You know, so, so we all have to work. We, we all have to uh, pay the bills. But... You know, it's, it's good to have that mentality you know, when we go to work knowing, all right, Lord, I'm working for you. You've provided me with this job. You've provided me with a paycheck. You know, you've blessed me, you know, with, 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 uh, with, with, this, with this job, all that, with my finances. And so it's good to, to go to work and have that mentality. And that changes everything. You know, when, when I started getting into my mind that, all right, Lord, I'm not going to go work for, you know, L3 Electric or Sunwest Electric or whatever company I'm working for at the time. I'm not going to go work for this guy. This guy. I'm not taking orders from this guy. No, Lord, I'm working for you because you gave me my job. It changed my whole perspective, you know, on the job site. Yeah, I'll still show up tired because I don't sleep much. But yeah, I'll be out there and I'll be able to do things with joy and, and actually take pride in, in what I do, make things look nice. Why? Because I know, man, I'm, I'm representing the Lord right now. You know, and I'm working, I'm pretending I'm building God's house. And I'm like, man, Lord, this is all for you right now, right? And so it's good to have that mentality, right? Because all of a sudden, you know, again, it changes our perspective, right? And, and, and it just, it adds value to, to, to what we do. And all of a sudden, I'm not just clocking in for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours, but instead I'm working for the Lord. And so it's cool that, 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 that Daniel had the mentality and we're, and we're encouraged in Colossians, you know, by Paul, hey, to have the same mentality. I encourage you, if... If you've, you know, been working at a job where you just, it's a drag and you've been hating going to work and you've been saying, man, Lord, I just want to get out of here. Why can't I just win the lottery or something? Right? I encourage you to, to change your perspective, you know, and start thinking of it this way. Right? I, I think that all the time, like maybe every few months, I'm like, Lord, please, just go buy a lottery ticket. Bless it. And he doesn't. But I, but I encourage you know, to, to change your mentality, you know, and start thinking of it this way. Like, all right, Lord, look, you blessed me with this job. You blessed me with my finances. You know, you blessed me with these coworkers, you know, that, that I could be a testimony to, that I could be a witness to. I don't have to necessarily say something, but just by, by my actions, right? And start thinking it that way, and all of a sudden, you're going to see your, your job as like the mission field. And that's the way I see my job. You know, I roll up to the construction site, and that's my mission field, right? And so... We see that this is the same mentality that Daniel had, right? He stood out. Why? Because he was a godly man, a godly man who, who feared God where he, where he was working at. And so we see that Daniel stood out so much that he was about to get promoted. You know, King Darius was going to make Daniel number one over these 119 guys. Now, with that being said, how do you think these other guys felt? Here's Daniel, an old man. He's nothing but a, a, a captive from Judah. Right, these guys, are, these guys have probably been with, with, uh, with Darius for a long time. They were already in, in their positions. They were already in authority. They were already you know, uh, holding some kind of, 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 of office. They're in the government of the Medo-Persians. And all of a sudden, you know, they, see, they, see him, they see Darius about to make Daniel number one. Man, this created this envy. You know, it, this, this, this brought out this envy in their hearts. 
You know, again, here's Daniel, a captive from Judah, an old man, just an old man, right? And Darius favors him and trusts him more than all these guys. It really came down to that, you know, that Darius trusted Daniel with the finances, with the welfare of the kingdom, more than these guys, more than these, these, these natives from the, Medo, from the Medo-Persian Empire. And so they became envious and sought to dig up some dirt on Daniel, but they couldn't find any. They're digging, they're digging, they're digging, and, and there was nothing wrong with his lifestyle. There's nothing bad that they could say against him. Daniel was just a stand-up guy. He was, he was, he was a godly man, and he had nothing to hide. Right? It's like, what you see is what you get. There was, he, he had nothing to hide. He was the same person at home. He was the same person at work. Daniel was a man of integrity. Integrity. Now, this word integrity, I, I, I love breaking down this word integrity. You know, and whenever I speak you know, at like, uh, men's events and stuff like that, I always talk about, about integrity. There's a really good book by Warren Worsby called The Integrity Crisis. I encourage you guys, men and women, to, to read this book. It's really good. And so the word integrity comes, has its root word in, in, in the word integer, which, you know, if you're familiar with mathematics, you know, an integer is a whole number. It's not, it's not divided. It's not a fraction. It's not a percentage. An integer is a whole number. And so this gives, this gives the, the idea of being, you know, you're the whole person. It's like, man, if I'm, if I'm here, I'm holy here. You know, if I'm, if I'm at home, I'm holy there. I mean, I'm the same person. I'm, I'm not divided. Oh, this is angel at work, but this is angel at home, but this is angel at the store, but this is angel uh, at a party, but this is angel at whatever. Right? That's integrity. That's the meaning of integrity. Being the same person no matter where you're at. Now, the opposite of that would be hypocrisy. You know, we tend to throw that, that word out uh, a lot, you know, and, 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 we're, and really, it, it, we don't really understand what it means. Hypocrisy or the hypocrite is actually a, an old theater word. You know, so back then, um, they, they, would, they would call the, the actor on the stage, you know, the hypocrite. You know, it's, oh, here comes the hypocrite, you know, the main actor. Because he would come on stage, he'd wear a mask, a certain costume. You know, he'd, be, he'd, he'd do a scene, he'd run back there, he'd, uh, change, he'd change clothes, change wardrobe, uh, change a mask, he'd come back out, you know, and then he'd be somebody else. And then he'd go back over there, change again, change a mask, put on the makeup, come back out and be someone else. The same person, but you're different person, different characters, right? That's hypocrisy, being, you know, being a two-faced, having different, different, different faces to show for different situations. You know, the complete opposite of integrity. Right, and, and, and that's where the word hypocrite comes in. This is where the word integrity comes from, from, from being an integer, a whole number, the same person. And so we see that for Daniel. Daniel was holy himself, wherever he was. Whether he was in Judah before he was a captive, he was honoring God. When he was taken into captivity under, under, uh, under Nebuchadnezzar, hey, he was still the same person. While he was serving under him, still the same person. Now all of a sudden, uh, uh, Darius comes and overtakes, uh, overtakes the empire. Hey, Daniel is still the same person. He doesn't change personalities because, oh man, I got to act, act in a way that, that now the Medo-Persians are going to like me. Right? I was being this person the, the whole way, the whole time I was under Babylon. But, you know, they're different. You know, they're more, they're harsher. Now I have to act a certain way. No. He was the same person at all times. He was a man of integrity, right? So we see that Golly Daniel, I mean, Golly Daniel was Golly Daniel at home. He was Golly Daniel at work, you know, and he was the same person no matter where he was, what he was doing, you know, and that spoke volumes of his life, right? He was no hypocrite. And so when they figured that they couldn't find any fault in him, they set him up concerning his faith in God. And so, the, and so these other guys, these other satraps realized, man, there's, this guy is just... Man, he's spotless. Man, he's blameless. There's nothing. There's nothing we could we could dig up on this guy. And so, the, and since they couldn't dig anything up on him, they began to to plot against him to set him up. And interesting that the that the thing that they're going to set him up about is his faith in God. They realize, all right, we can't. He's not going to trip. You know, he's not, not going to do anything dumb. 
You know, but if we set him up and, and if we make him, if we make what he's doing already, which is worshiping God, honoring God, you know, against the law, then we could trip him up. So they're going to set him up. And it goes on to say in there, verse 6, it says, So these governors and satraps thronged before the, before the king and said to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdoms, the administrators, the satraps, the counselors, and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute or decree. And to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. And therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. We'll stop right there. And so, and so these guys, knowing that the only way that they could set him up was concerning his god, they schemed up a plan. Right? We see that they lie to the king. They go up to the king and they say, Hey, King Darius, all of us governors got together and came up with a great plan. That was a lie because Daniel wasn't there. Right? If Daniel wasn't part of this, if he was, he would have been like, No way, guys, you guys are crazy. Right? He, he wouldn't have allowed him to, to come up with this, with this crazy plan. But we see that these guys hated Daniel so much. They were so envious of him that they had a plot against him. And so they go to the king and they say, Hey, king, all the governors, you know, that includes Daniel, all the governors got together and we came up with a great plan you're gonna love this and this is the plan they tell him you should make a decree you should make an announcement you should make a law you know that for 30 days no one can pray to any man or god besides you O king and king darius being a a, a pagan king being you know not not a godly man how do you think he reacted and he probably oh man he was probably loving it that sounds like a great idea man no one prayed to anybody or any god except me let's do it i'm all for it right and so, of course, the king didn't, didn't oppose, you know, because his ego was being stroked. Now, keep in mind, again, that we're talking about a pagan king. This wasn't, you know, a, a godly king. This is a pagan king, even though he, he liked Daniel. You know, even though, you know, Daniel was his buddy, he himself was, was, was corrupt. And so, again, he, he, so he, he, he loves the idea, you know, they stroke his ego. He's all for it. And we see that he was blinded by his pride and forgot all about Daniel. At the moment, he hears the idea. It sounds great. It's stroking his ego. It's hitting his pride, you know, his sweet spot. And, and he forgot about Daniel. You know, if you would have been thinking right, if you would have been, you know, in his, in his, fifth, in his five senses, he would have realized, like, no way, I can't, I can't make a decree like that. I have Daniel, who is, who is one of the captains from Judah, who doesn't worship our God. He worships his, his God, the one true God. If I make this decree, then he's going to be in trouble. I can't do that against my buddy Daniel. Right, but he was so drunk in pride that he wasn't thinking straight. He didn't even think about Daniel, and so we see that he signed that thing. Now, no doubt he knew about Daniel. You know, he knew about, about Daniel's personal devotion to the Lord. We don't have much details here about it, but, but we can see there in, in uh, verse 20. And we see that in verse 20 of the same chapter, uh, later on down the story, we see that Darius called out to Daniel and he called him servant of the living God. Now, so this is something that, that, that King Darius knew about Daniel already. He knew that Daniel served God. He knew he was a man of integrity. He knew that he was a, ma- a godly man. He knew that he was a man that wasn't going to bend, wasn't going to budge. Right? But at the moment, he was so drunk with pride that he completely you know, disregarded that. He wasn't even thinking about Daniel at the time. He just heard the idea. He had stroked his ego and he was all for it. Now, again, where did all this stem from? You know, this whole decree, the whole idea, the governors getting together, you know, and, and plotting against Daniel and, and, and plotting against, you know, his, his, his position. Where did it all come from? Again, this, uh, this jealous and envious heart. Now, these guys coveted what Daniel had. You know, they wanted to be noticed like Daniel. They, they, they wanted to be used like Daniel. You know, they, they wanted to be recognized like Daniel. They see that Daniel's getting all the attention. 
I don't know if you guys ever have ever had you know like that type of warfare at work where hey man the Lord just gave you grace and favor all of a sudden you know there's somebody who just for whatever reason they just don't like you you know so they see you down the hall you're walking by them you're just like they just look at you they go like this to you you know they they see your your food in the in, in the lunchroom you know and they and they move it over or anything like dumb little things like that right and we see that that that, that a lot of the times it stems out of envy and we see that this this envy is is, is demonic. You know, jealousy, uh, en- envy is demonic, right? It's jealousy that, that, that got Satan thrown out of heaven, right? There in the book of Isaiah, when it talks about the, the fall of Satan, you know, there are these five I wills of, of Satan, you know, where, where Satan, he, he looked at God, he looked at the throne of God, he says, I will, I will exalt myself above the, high, above the highest, I will be worshipped like God, you know, I will set my throne, you know, above the heavenlies. There was like five I wills, and it was like, I, 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 and Satan wanted to worship. You know, Satan was envious of the power that God had. Satan was envious of the of worship that, that, that God was receiving. He wanted it for himself, right? And so we see that, that whenever, you know, there's envy or, there's, or there's, a, there's jealousy in our heart, it's not of the Lord. You know, that's not one of those godly traits that's mentioned there in Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, uh, peace, joy, uh, love, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness, uh, envy, jealousy. No, those aren't mentioned in there. So whenever you know we find ourselves in a situation where you begin to covet somebody somebody's possessions or begin to to be envious or jealous of of, of something that somebody has, whether it's a position, you know, uh, whether it's a possession, position, or or recognition, whatever it may be, hey, that's not of the Lord. You know, that that, that that's not that's not of the Lord. You know, so I would watch out with that. Guard your heart. You know, guard your heart. Again, if you feel that way about somebody, I, I encourage you to do this. Pray for that individual. Pray for that individual. Right. I was looking at that a couple of companies ago. Uh, I was working with this guy, right? And so we're, we would, they were always uh, put us together to, 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 to tackle a project. I'd be doing most of the work. I kid you not, I'm not just saying that. I would be doing most of the work. But, but since, he, since he had been there longer, he, every time we would finish, he'd go to the foreman. All right, yeah, we're done. You know, yeah, we did this, this, this. So the foreman was talking to him all the time. He was getting all the credit all the time. I'm thinking, man, dude, I, I'm, I'm the one doing everything. You know, he's the one getting all the credit for it. I'm like, all right, whatever, man. And it got to a point where I, I began getting kind of like envious of this guy, kind of like angry at him. You know, I thought, man, dude, I swear you do that one more time, man, I'm going <laughs> to... Right? But, but, and I saw myself just start, started getting uh, envious against this dude. And so instead, I started praying for him, man. And then, and then when, when we're working and we're about to be done, I would tell him, hey, bro, we're, we're going to be done like in 10 minutes. You want to go, you want to go ask, ask uh, the guy's name was Scott, my foreman. You want to go ask Scott what's next? All right, cool, man. I go send him off. I'll be right there working. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, man, my heart just changed towards him, you know, and, and then I didn't care anymore. And so I encourage you, you know, if you, if you ever feel that towards anybody, hey, begin praying for that person. Lord blesses, Lord blesses life. Lord bless your life. Lord, you know, uh, bless this, is that, whatever. You know, Lord, whatever it may be. Man. Now, we see that the king signed the decree, and so it was established, you know, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Now, when a king wrote a law into place, he couldn't go back on it. You know, according to, to the law of the Medes and the Persians, they would sign it, that's it, it's set in stone. Right? So again, this was different from the government under, under Nebuchadnezzar, because Nebuchadnezzar was above the law, he could do whatever he wanted. I signed this, hey, you know what, I've changed my mind, alright, you know what, hey man, just whatever I want. Yeah, you wanted someone killed, they, you could have him killed. You wanted someone tried, you could have him tried. You wanted someone thrown into a, a burning fire furnace, he'd do it without a cause. He'd do whatever he wanted. But in this case, in the case of Darius and, and in the case of the government under the Medes and the Persians, it was different. And so again, this is a fulfillment of the prophecy uh, of the statue of, uh, of uh, the statue in the dream of Nebuchadnezzar given in, in Daniel chapter 2. Why? Because again, uh, we're told that, that that chest and arms of silver... The, the, the metal itself is stronger than gold, 
but it was less effective or it, was, it, was, it, was, it wasn't as, as effective, right? Because, you know, of the different government structures. So there's actually a, a fulfillment of, of Daniel chapter 2. And so it goes on to say there in verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew the, written, the, the writing was signed, he went home. And he didn't pray for, or anything for 30 years, for 30, for 30 days. No, it doesn't say that. This is so awesome. Because here's Daniel. He wasn't included in, in the meeting. But all of a sudden he hears about it. All right, so the king signed a decree that no one is to pray or worship anybody except, except him for 30 days. Daniel heard about it. And what, and what do you do? We're told that he goes home. It says when, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, that same day. And he prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since the early days. I love Daniel. I love his boldness, right? His boldness to stand up for, for, one, for his faith, for what he believed in, right? He wasn't going to budge. He wasn't going to let a decree from King Darius and from all these envious guys keep him from doing what he had always been doing, right? It wasn't that, that, that he was doing to defy the decree that day because we're told that, that, that he did it as was his custom since early days. It's not that, oh man, well, you know, all of a sudden there's a law against my faith. You know, now is the time where I'm going to stand up and, and, and fight for my faith, no, he was already doing that from his earlier days. And so it goes on to say there in verse 11, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and, ma and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. And they said, Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den? And the king answered and said, Yeah, it's true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. And verse 13 says, So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, that guy Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Not only is he, is he, is he praying to his God, but he's doing it three times a day. Now again, this, this wasn't Daniel trying to be defiant, right? This is just him doing what he had always been doing. There's a... There's a scripture there in in, uh, in in First Kings, in First Kings chapter eight, First Kings chapter eight that when when Solomon, uh, the son of David, uh, built the, the the temple and the tabernacle there in Jerusalem, you know, as he was dedicating the, the the temple, as he was dedicating the tabernacle, he prayed and he was praying all kinds of blessings for the people, for for the builders, for Jerusalem, for the temple, and in his prayer he said this there in First Kings chapter eight. It says, 830, it says, when your people, so this is Solomon praying to God, it says, when your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people, Israel, and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. Now, I know that, that, that Daniel was a godly man. He no doubt knew the scriptures. You know, and, and, and I definitely believe that with all my heart, that this is what, this is what Daniel's praying He's seen, all right, look, he's, he's, he's able to hear the prophecies from Jeremiah, who, who's alive at this time, living in, in Judah. You know, and so he's, he's hearing word from, from, from Jeremiah, knowing that, right, that, that, that they're going to be in captivity for 70 years. You know, he's, seen, he's been there for almost 70 years. And so he knows, all right, Lord, you promised, you know, according to Jeremiah, you said that in 70 years, you're going to bring us back to our homeland. Lord, you promised, you know, according to the prayer of, of King Solomon, you know, that, that if your people were ever exiled from their, from their home. From their homeland because of their sin. If they ever, you know, humble to you and, and pray to you and 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 and, and humble themselves, Lord, that you would forgive their sins and return back to their land. And so, I don't doubt. You know, I, I definitely believe with all my heart that this is what Daniel's praying three times a day. 
Lord, the time is short. Lord, you know, fulfill your promise. Lord, you promised. Lord, you said. Right? And this is just Daniel just giving his petition up to the Lord. Lord, you said. Right? And, and, and we see that, that Daniel was a man of prayer. He was a man of the word. And so he was praying according to the word. But we see that these guys use that very thing against him. Right? Now, this is crazy because as I was reading this, as I was reading this thing, I was kind of just, just, uh, just tearing it apart and thinking, man, the decree was for 30 days. Here's Daniel, you know, he's been praying three times a day for a long time already. You would think that, 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 I mean, Daniel could have, if he wanted to, would have been like, all right, well, it's only 30 days. I'll just, won't do this for 30 days. I'll be in obedience, you know, and I won't get in trouble for 30 days. I mean, what's a month of no, of, of no prayer you're going to do, right? He could have just done that. He could have just waited 30 days and not prayed, but he didn't. We see that, 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 that he didn't let this affect, you know, his, his, his personal devotion time to the Lord. He didn't let this alter it. He just continued doing it. Right? And, and, and so I love this about Danny because, again, he wasn't going to budge. And he wasn't going to compromise his faith for 30 days. Even if it was just, you know, uh, prayer for three, for three times a day. Now, he could have even compromised and said, all right, I'm going to pray still. You know, I'm not going to follow the decree. I'm going to pray still, but I'm going to do it different. I'm going to close the windows, close the blinds, turn off the lights, and I'm going to pray. No one's going to know except me and God. He could have done that. Right? But he didn't. He didn't. He was a man of integrity. And he was going to worship God the way he had always been worshiping God. And I say it to say this, and I don't want to spend too much time on this. But usually, you know, when, when I mean, usually when, when people are told, hey, man, don't worship God. Hey, don't go to church. Hey, don't pray. Don't do this. You know, for this amount of time, that's it. Right. You, and, 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 and when they give in to that, all right, cool, that's fine. You don't want me to go to church. If someone tells me, hey, man, you know what, don't, don't go teach for, for a month. You know, just for a month. Right. Well, first I'll oppose, but but if, but if my heart's already kind of sliding back, right, and, and if I'm losing already my sensitivity to the Lord, then I won't have any problems saying, "All right, you know, that's all right. I'll I'll, I'll take a break for, for for thirty days, right?" And I say that to to say this: that a couple years ago, man, it's been two years now. You know, twenty twenty was it February twenty twenty when coronavirus hit, right? What, what was the thing that, that they told the church? Say, hey, don't meet, don't meet, don't get don't gather in person. You know, don't don't meet for church. And just about every single church in the world, or at least in the United States, stopped meeting. Now, I understand, you know, and, and I understand that, that it, was a, it was unknown at the time. We didn't know what the dangers of it. We didn't know the, the consequences. We didn't know, you know, the severity of it. I understand that it's still a severe thing. But when time goes by, you know, a few months go by, six months go by, you know, and the church is not allowed to meet in person, fellowship in person, and yet there's... Mobs of hundreds of people, you know, roaming the streets, setting buildings on fire, you know, uh, breaking glass, uh, 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 shattering glasses on the, on the stores, tipping over cop cars, you know, gathering together in huge crowds, and yet with no repercussions, and yet the church is, is getting fined. Yeah, you have a church here up north, uh, there's Calvary Godspeak in Thousand Oaks, and, and a Calvary in San Jose, who, who, who the members are getting fined. I think a thousand of us were getting fined like 500 bucks a day for each person who would show up to church, you know, define this decree. And, and you start seeing that, 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 you know, there's something wrong here, right? But yet, a lot of churches were okay with just staying closed and, and not meeting in person. Now, at the time, I was kind of, you know, I was, I was, I was very like judgmentalist. I was like, man, how can these guys not open up? You know, how could these guys... You know, let their people suffer. And people are suffering in fear, depression, anxiety. They don't know what's going on. They, they need to meet in person. Then I thought, well, you know, I, I, well, at the time, I'm like, man, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not over a church. So maybe maybe the, the, it's different, right? 
But now that I am a pastor over a church, you know, I see that, that no, you know, that, that the heart of a shepherd is to shepherd the flock, you know, and, and the churches should have stayed open, you know, and, and there's still churches to this day that are never going to reopen. I was looking at our church online a couple of days ago that that's it. They've just transitioned everything to online. They have a huge building that's not being used. They're in Whittier. You know, they have a huge building that's not being used. They just transitioned everything to online, right? They, they do events, you know, once a month and maybe a few weekends, you know, here and there. But, but the whole church service is online. You know, and I think, man, two years after this, you know, seeing already, you know, now having the, the information that we have and, and not wanting to meet in person with, with, your, with, your, with your people. I'm reminded of the words of Ezekiel when he says, Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the sheep. Right? And, and I was impacted by the life of Daniel because, again, Daniel could have just said, oh, it's only a month. All right, I won't pray for a month. He said, all right, well, it's only in person, so I could just close the windows, close the blinds. They won't see me. But it, it, went, it went beyond that. You know, it went above that. Right? Daniel honored God. Daniel served God. And he wasn't going to let anything get in the way of that. Now, in no way am I proposing that we should you know, be defined against this, that, that, whatever. It's not about that. That's not what Daniel was doing, right? He wasn't doing it to openly defy the government. He wasn't doing it to openly defy you know, the, the, the king's decree and all these other guys who came up against him. He was just worshiping God. He wasn't, I, I, I don't think that, 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 that this other stuff was even in his mind. He wasn't thinking, oh, i got to go against these guys. No. All he was thinking about was just worshiping God, right? And, and I love this about Daniel because, again, it just shows his heart of integrity. To just continue worshiping God, even though it was at that time against the law. And he was going to suffer the consequences no matter what. Amazing. And so again, we're told that there in verse 11, it says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast to the den of lions? And the king answered and said, Yeah, the thing's true, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. And so they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captains from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. It wasn't that Daniel wasn't showing due regard to the king. It was that Daniel was showing his due regard to God, to his king, to the king of kings. He wasn't openly trying to, to defy the king. He was just honoring God, his king. Right? And so... We're told there in verse 14, And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself. Notice that it doesn't say that he was greatly displeased with Daniel. Oh, Daniel, I can't believe you're defying me. Oh, Daniel, I can't believe No, he was greatly displeased with himself. Right? And so, it says, And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Now these men approached the king and said to the king, Now, I said, No, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and the Persians, that no decree or statute which the, which the king establishes may be changed. And so we see that, that king, even King Darius, you know, so once he realizes, oh man, they got me. They sent me out so that I could set up Daniel. Once he realized it, he was, he was uh, heartbroken for it. He was, he was burdened by it. And we're told that, that, he was, that he was disappointed in himself and he labored all night. He's probably looking through their laws, through their law books, you know, trying to hit every tablet, trying to find any loophole to, to, to try to free Daniel. You know, trying to find some way around this because he knew it's the law. You know, it has to be kept. You know, if, if he would break his own law, then, you know, it would cost him his life. And so he's looking through all the loopholes, getting all the books, getting all the articles, going to the index, getting the best lawyers, trying to find out, man, is there any way we could save Daniel? Is there any way that we could keep Daniel from going through all this? And he couldn't find anything. And so the next morning, all, all the other, the satraps came up to him and then they told him, hey, King, remember, it's, it's a law. It's a law. You signed it into the decree and it can't be changed. 
And verse 16 it says, So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his Lord, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Man, I love this because knowing God, you know, God had delivered you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego while they were in the fire. He could have delivered them from even being thrown into the fire. But we, we see that he was trying to do something in their, in their, in their faith, in their heart. He was trying to show, them, show himself strong on their behalf. He was trying to show up for them while they were going through the trial, while they were in the fire. He didn't deliver them from the fire, but he delivered them in the fire. And so for Daniel as well, we see that, Dan, that, that God could have done any number of things. He could have uh, uh, killed a lion. He could have struck Darius with a lion. He could have done anything to, to keep Daniel from being thrown into the lion's den. Right? But that wasn't the purpose and plan of God. God's purpose and plan for Daniel wasn't that he wouldn't suffer at all. But it, it would be that, that, that Daniel would come to know God in a deeper sense through his suffering. And so we're told... That they brought Daniel in, and notice that Daniel didn't say a word. He knew, he knew, all right, no, that's it. You know, it's, it's my number, my number's up. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't try to say, oh, well, these guys did it unfairly when they had the meeting. I wasn't even included. They lied to you. They didn't say that, that, that I was in there, uh, that, 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 um, that I was in the meeting when they came up with the plan. They said all the governors were there. I wasn't there, right? He's not trying to defend himself. And, and I love this because I've said it before, and it's something that always runs through my mind. You know, when I heard Pastor Ross say, when he said, hey, if you defend yourself, God can't defend you, right? And so here's Daniel just coming up. All right, man, this is what I get. That's fine, right? Daniel knew that God was going to deliver him. But because of his testimony, even the king knew that, that God was going to deliver him. He says, Daniel, the God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Man, that's amazing. Isn't it amazing when, when your testimony could give testimony to somebody else who doesn't know the Lord? That's amazing, right? And so we're told that a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, meaning that uh, so that they, would, they, they, would, they would put the stone, they would, they would put like a little piece of clay, a hot clay, and the king had, had his own ring with a little symbol on it. And they knew it was, it was the king's ring and he would signet, meaning, all right, you know, this is a decree of the king. This cannot be altered unless it's, it's, it's by the king. So he, he, he sealed it and they threw down in there. Interesting that, that, that uh, a few years ago, I was like 1800, not even a few years ago, but you know, some while back, as they were excavating there, there, there in Iraq, which is modern day uh, Babylon, modern, the, the modern day uh, Medes and Persians. Now they actually found these dens. You know, they found what what's, what's, uh, what looks like caves. You know, and, and they believe that, that that these caves are are those lions' dens. You know, and as they were excavating more, they actually found big statues. You can look them up online. They have big statues that they excavated of a lion over uh, of a lion. You know, kind of like pouncing over over a man. They found like various, various statues of these. You know, so it's crazy that we're reading this here in the Bible and yet, you know, history, archaeology tells us it's true. Amazing. And so they, they, they threw Daniel in the den, you know, and it says, verse 18, it says 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning. So after, after they threw Daniel in the, den, in the lion's den, verse 18 says, Now the king went to his place, his palace, and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. So here's the king, you know, he throws down in the lion's den. First, he spends all night. He doesn't sleep all night because he's looking through all their law books, trying to find a, a loophole so he, so he could deliver down from, from the lion's den. Then finally, you know, he comes up. Daniel has a face of music. They throw him into the lion's den. And, yet, and again, the king doesn't sleep. You know, we're told that, that, uh, that he, was, he spent all night fasting. You know, he didn't have anybody playing music so he'd go to sleep. You know, uh, we're told that his sleep went from him. So he couldn't sleep. This guy was just... 
He was scared. He was anxious. He was, you know, resentful. He was, he was remorseful. You know, he, he, was, he was worried about his friend Daniel, right? He cared about Daniel. He knew that Daniel was a man of integrity. Daniel had done, had done him no wrong. And so he cared about him. And so in the morning, verse 20, when he came to the den, he cried out with a, with a lamenting voice. That lamenting voice is like, man, with tears, probably like, you know, a croaky voice, you know, tears. Of, Daniel. So he's Daniel. So he says, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Man, he couldn't wait. He just was up all night and probably just, again, fasting. Doesn't say he was praying because he didn't know God. Right, but he's just thinking about Daniel. So as soon as the sun came up, as soon as you know, as soon as uh, um, uh, Daniel's term was over, he ran over there. He says, "Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions?" And then Daniel said to the king, "O king, live forever." Man, I can just imagine the scene. I can imagine just Daniel. Maybe he hesitated a few seconds before he said anything. No, he let him kind of weep. And he said, okay, let forever, right? I'm just picturing this way I, I imagine it, right? And so here's Daniel. And then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. No, it is not innocent before you, not innocent before the satraps, not innocent before the decree. He says, I was found innocent before God. I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Man, that's amazing. Right? God defending Daniel. Daniel didn't say, I have to say a word. He went through the trial. He, he, he suffered the consequences. But yet, God defended him and delivered him out of it. And this was testimony not just to him, but to the satraps, to the guys who threw him in the, in the lion's, into lion's den, and to the king himself. In verse 23, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take, up, that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, what, whatever, was found on him. Because he believed in his God. Man, that's amazing. Now, the custom of the time, you know, again, as, as it would have these, these, these lions, you know, and again, you, secular history shows us this, you know, there's been many inscriptions that, that, that have been found, you know, and we're told that the Medes and the Persians, what they would do, they would go out there, they would hunt lions, they'll throw them all into, into, this, into this den, into this cave, and they would starve them. You know, they would starve them for, for, for months, months at times, you know, until... Until, you know, somebody messed up and they threw him into the lion's den. So, the, so by the time someone got thrown in there, these guys were starving, right? They, were, they had been fasting for months already. So they were, any, any piece of meat that was thrown in there, they were going to devour it into pieces within seconds. But interesting that, that, that Daniel survived there one whole night. And I'm thinking that he probably slept better than the king. Here's the king, he couldn't sleep. He's, you know, worried, you know, what's going to happen? Man, I could just imagine Daniel right there just snoozing, you know, on, on one of the lions or just taking a nap right there, using him as a pillow, just staying warm with them, right? Have you guys ever had cats, you know how the cats are, they come up against you? I, mean, I imagine that's Daniel, right? <laughs> In verse 23, now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him, not a scratch, not a you know, bruise, nothing, because he believed in his God. I love that, because he believed in his God. I, I think back on all the times, you know, that I know God was testing me. I know God was, you know, taking me to, to, through a trial and to a trial, you know, to test my faith. And I knew God was going to deliver me, but I didn't let him, right? Because I panicked before time. I panicked and I tried to make things happen on my own. All right, Lord, this is that and the other, right? Remember a few years ago when I, when I, was, when I spent some time in Colombia and I came back and I thought, all right, I'm not going to have any problem looking for work, right? When I left, I left on good terms. The door was open. I came back. I hit him up. And like, sorry, we have no work for you. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, all right, Lord. I know you're testing me. I went like three, four months with, without working. 
you know, employment couldn't kick in. And, I, and that was like the first time I've ever had trouble finding work. And, and I knew, and somehow like the Lord was just providing for my bills. Every single month he would provide for, for my car, for my phone, for my rent, for everything. I'm like, man, Lord, how are you doing this? Right? It would just come like miraculously. Like, hey, someone will call me for work, whatever. Like do a side job. And so God was, was providing for me. But it came to the point where I was like, all right, Lord, everything's piling up. And, and, and I, don't know, I don't know if you're, if you, if you're aware of this, Lord, but look, here's my bill. Here's my past due thing. Here's all this stuff, Lord. I got to do something. So I went out there, I started just hustling, try, like, in a good way, right? Started looking for work, started, trying, started doing all these things. I, I found a job, you know, that I was just so miserable at. And then, like, four days after I got hired, there was a comment from, an, from this awesome company that I had been trying to get into for, like, three years. I'm like, oh, man, it was the union. I'm like, oh, well, I can't, I'm already here, this, that, and the other. And it's like the Lord was trying to show me a lesson. He's like, hey, man, just trust me. You know, I, was in a, I, I provided for you for all those four months while you were in Colombia, right? I provided for all your bills while you were away. You weren't even here. You know, I provided for you the whole time you were you came back and couldn't find work. He's like, you couldn't trust me for four more days. I'm like, Lord, but it piled up, right? And 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 God wants to show Himself strong on your behalf, and you let Him. You know, I, I love what it says about Daniel, right? Because he believed in his God. Now, if Daniel didn't believe in his God, he would have been uh, captured. But because he believed in his God, the Lord delivered him. And I notice this, King Darius, verse twenty-four says, and the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever even came to the bottom of the den. You might be reading and you're thinking, man, that's kind of harsh. That's kind of messed up. You know, that's really in the Bible that, that this king threw in of, you know, their, the bad guys with their wives and their kids. Keep in mind that this isn't a godly man. You know, this is a, this is a man who serves God. This isn't a man who's, you know, subject to, you know, he doesn't have God as his king. God is his Lord. He's, he's a pagan. I mean, these guys did worse things than this. You know, there's a whole book, there's a whole book written on the, on the, on the, on the customs, the like customs and traditions of the Medes and the Persians. It's called something like that. Customs and traditions of the Medes and the Persian. And it just shows all the horrible things that these guys would do to their captives. You know, that these guys would do to prisoners, that these guys would do to anybody who broke the law. They were ruthless. You know, they were like trained killers. Right, and so here's a king, King Darius, not a godly man, right? And so he's executing his own righteousness as he sees, as he sees, as he sees fit, not how God told him, you know, but as he sees fit. And so he brought in all the guys who falsely accused Daniel. He brought in all the guys who who, who falsely, you know, schemed up against Daniel. That's 119 guys. You know, remember that, that 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 Daniel was one of 20, you know, and then he was one of three, and then those 119 are the ones who came up against them. So 119 men with their wives and their children were thrown into the lion's den. These guys were so hungry that they devoured them before they even touched the ground. But yet Daniel was able to survive for a whole night. Amazing. And so verse 20, verse 25 says, and then the king, then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. It says, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one uh, which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and he rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has, who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus. The Persians. So Darius is over the the, the, the Medes, the Medes, and and Cyrus over the Persians. Man, amazing, amazing. So this changed the perspective of the king. Now, 
I always find it funny, right? Because we're reading, we've been reading through the book of Daniel, and every time God would do something amazing for Daniel or his friends, you know, Nebuchadnezzar would make some kind of decree. All right, man, everyone has to worship Daniel's God. Everyone has to honor Daniel's God. Same thing with, uh, with King Darius, right? The Lord worked on Daniel's behalf, and he made it a law that everyone has to know God and worship God. This is, you know, it, it's, it's silly. It's silly, right? Because that's not the type of worship that, that, that God honors, you know, that, that God wants. You know, but again, this is coming from a pagan king. So, uh, there in uh, John chapter uh, chapter four, I believe, you know, it's, it's Jesus. He meets this this woman at the well, you know, and, and, and as he's as he's talking with the woman at the well, and there's some Samaritans. They come up to him, and, and she says, "Hey, well, our our fathers say that that, that that this is a place to to worship God, and, and you Jews say that's at Jerusalem." And Jesus says something very interesting, very powerful, very profound. He says, "Surely I tell you that the time will come." When, when the worshipers of God will worship, not, in, not, not here in this place, not in Jerusalem, but they will worship in spirit and in truth, right? And so worshiping God isn't dependent on a location, right? You don't, have to, you don't have to come to church in order to talk to God. You have to come to church in order to, to worship God, to speak with God, to pray to God, to spend time with the Lord. God is omnipresent. He exists outside of these four walls. I would say especially outside of these four walls. Right? He's not subject, he's not contained to a, to, a, to a little box, right? And so we can worship God wherever we're at. And, and so this is the type of, of worship that God accepts, is His worship in spirit and in truth. Also, you know, again, um, another, another thing is that, is that we, can't, we can't mandate morality, right? We can't make morality a law, right? We could, I think we talked about this a couple of we talked about this a couple a couple of services ago, whether it's a Wednesday or Sunday. You know, but you can't you can't institute, you can't mandate, you can't make righteousness a law, right? Why? Because righteousness comes from the, comes from the heart. We can make whatever law, we could pass whatever law, you know, in, in, in place, and yeah, it's gonna you know make our, our country better, make our cities better, make our states better. But ultimately, you can't get rid of the sin issue, right? And so, so many people, and especially you know, with this with this push towards socialism. You know, they think, all right, you know, if we just get rid of, you know, all this inequality, if we just get rid of all this, you know, injustices, you know, they get paid more, they get paid less, whatever. You know, if we just, you know, do this, do that, whatever, you know, and we start mandating, you know, hey, man, you can't say this word. I mean, we live in a time where you got to watch certain things that you say because, you know, all of a sudden you're going to get cancer, you're going to get labeled as, as, as a racist, as a bigot, as a whatever, right? And, and that's not even, that's, that's, not, that's not like where you're coming from. But we live, in, we live in such a time where we have to just tiptoe around our words, tiptoe around our posts on, on, on Facebook or Instagram. And yet what we see is society trying to mandate righteousness. Right? They're, they're trying to mandate morality, and you can't. You can make all the laws in, in the world, right? Hey, man, uh, you can't see bad words. Or whoever says a bad word is going to go to jail. Or whoever you know, uh, steals and go to jail. But yet, you could do that behind, behind you know, you could do it in your heart. You could sin against God in your heart. You could, you know, think profanity in your heart. Or you get, you know, envy or covet, you know, and, and, and that is a form of stealing. And yet, again, so you can't, you can't mandate morality, right? That, that's one of the biggest problems with, with, with society today is, again, that society is trying to establish this earthly utopia by making, uh, by making earth, you know, like, by, by, by trying to bring heaven to earth. All right, think, and they're making all these laws and, and, and rules and stuff and saying, all right, man, we're, we're going to make the earth a better place. Right, so we've got to live with one another and you know, abide in peace and all these things. But you can't. Why? Because there's that, there's that issue of sin in our hearts no matter what. Even if you're the best person, if you're the best neighbor, if you're the best employee, if you're the best whatever, you know, the person next to you might not be. And so there's always going to be the, the issue of sin in the heart of, of yourself and of someone else. Right? But we see again, this is in a godly king, so he's, 
he's mandating he's mandating this as, as he sees fit. You know, so he has these guys killed. You know, and he mandates, hey, right, everybody, all the nations, people need to worship the God of Daniel, right? And amazing. With that, we'll, we'll close the book. But I'm just encouraging.